Hello, my friends. Today we're talking to Rashmi, the CIO at Hewlett Packard Enterprise, and we discuss the different challenges presented by leading teams versus leading teams of teams, why it's important for technologists to be business outcome focused, and how Rashmi trains her leaders to go far rather than go fast. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Um, started in the software field with uh, mainframe technologies and had my journey through um, architecture and engineer roles, which I preferred over program management and you know client service role. So grew in the um, architecture space eventually. Uh, from there, um, was picked up by my one of my CIOs to take a business unit CIO role based on my kind of ability to execute as well as see the see and create the vision and bring the teams together to think about future versus what we were doing yesterday and today. Um, when I took the business unit CIO role for the first time almost uh, six years ago, um, I found it interesting. Uh, what I found most interesting about it is that it's not only about the engineering and the, uh, and the uh, technology that we spend time on, but how much of the people, leadership, and business outcome-driven approach is needed for today's CIOs to be able to propel that entire company into a whole new direction um, with the um, use of technology. And I, I find that most exciting as part of this role. So what sort of exciting business outcomes are you working on now? Yes. Yeah, so currently I have a team of close to almost 1,000 people, which not only supports 82,000 um, end users across our 200 plus global um, sites, but we are also running the entire technology operations end-to-end for the company, including infrastructure network, cyber, end user, and unified collaboration. We are also responsible for the enterprise-wide application tools and vendor landscape that run the business, from business and its sales to supply chain to services. And the need for um, technology is um, just growing day by day. We work on large program to deliver multi-year product development abilities to change how the company works. But during that process, the need for technology also changes or actually elevates. And while doing that to run the company, we are also delivering a fully integrated ecosystem of automation, digitalization, and data analytics to enable Hewlett Packard Enterprises digital transformation to drive towards being a more um, digital product company. Yes, we are a tech company, but we were selling more non-digital product to digitalize our customers. But now we are ourselves disrupting ourselves and uh, offering every product which is um, digital or as a service um, mode. And that's where I can talk more about our GreenLake platform, which is more from HPE's perspective. Okay, you said it's green light or green lit? 
It's Green Lake. Green Lake. Yeah. Okay, got it. Green Lake. Yeah, yeah you've got all, all the different lakes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But that's original. I like Green Lake, putting a color in front. I yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm curious, uh, though, about like you as a person, before we get into that, like who... How would you describe yourself or how would your your uh, classmates describe yourself describe you when you were in high school? That's a, a very interesting question. So I was always a hustler. You talk about how, my classmates and myself never thought that I was like this super bright propeller head intelligent girl. I always thought of myself as somebody who can hustle and learn anything. And uh, my friends saw me as really hardworking person who was trying to kind of get herself to always that next level um, of the success that I already had. Are your parents like that as well? Yeah. So my parents are very interesting. Um, my mother, since I remember her, um, she was very particular about me going into a STEM field and being either a doctor or an engineer. So she was always about maths and science. You are a good girl. If you put your heart and mind to it, you will be able to do it. Um, so just do it uh, type thing. She always pushed me um, towards education. And um, I actually became, I come from a very educated family, so PhDs and whatnot, but I was the first into engineering uh, from the overall engineering girl in the family. Very cool. Now, as your career started to progress, did you get into any of like the self-help or motivation type content that's out there to help you like get to that next level or is it just completely internal for you? Yeah, I I just came off of a um, session um, with our um, women network where I was talking about the power of knowing this Uh, question came up too. I got married when I was in my senior year of college and I got my uh, twin boys a couple of years into it. And for both uh, my husband and I, um, they were really important. Um, He was a high achieving entrepreneur. Um, I was an engineer. He's my biggest sponsor. And uh, his thing was, I don't want you quitting working because we have children now. We will both share Uh, the responsibility and we'll both have a career. So he actually took a little bit of a step back so that he could help me balance uh, the career and and motherhood as well. So uh, I've never gone to um, get a coach or a self-help kind of a person, which he still thinks I should. (laughs) But (laughs) but we have been uh, there, I would say, for each other and we have set our priorities and uh, gone and uh, achieved it together let's put it this way so when you always feel that you have somebody next to you who is as vested in you which was my mother before and then my husband and his family um, to get to see you grow and uh, progress in your career um, it was a huge kind of a support system and um the freedom that it provided me to be able to uh, make sure that there is nothing out there which is not possible for me to um, get. I love it. It Give me goosebumps over here. You're a twin boys. What type of technology? They're probably not boys anymore, but what type of technology are they into? 
Uh, they're both data scientists. One works for one of the large bank and other one um, is at a large pharmaceutical company. That is so cool. Are you proud of them? I'm very proud of them. And, and, and it's interesting how, you know, they also see two of us as completing their uh, circle of support system, right? So if they want to know anything about the career and as they talk to their um, uh, managers or more senior folks in the organization, they come and share with me the interaction, how they behave, what they said. Sometimes they talk about bad naughty problems that they're trying to solve from technology perspective. But if they need some help with their finances or investments or you know um how i should what should i do with this type of money then they go to their dad so <laughs> it's like <laughs> they have they have figured out what their parents are good at and who they can tap when they need to <laughs> get them oh yeah advice <laughs> yeah. we've got small children i have a four-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son and they've quickly figured out <laughs> even at that age, who is the one they need to go to for what things that they want. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Yeah. So help me understand the difference between HP and HPE. Yeah, so you know HP, original HP was the founder of Silicon Valley. Um, Bill Hillett and Dave Packard came out of Stanford and founded the first tech company of uh, Silicon Valley. Um, it has gone through enormous amount of growth, multiple acquisitions from DEC to Tandem to eventually Compaq and SGI and um, EDS through different uh, CEO uh, events over the last 20 years, I would say, um, when Meg Whitman uh, decided to split the company based on consumer and enterprise. And that's how HP, which we also call HP Inc. or HPQ as per their uh, stock trigger, uh, and then HP Enterprises was split in um, almost five years ago. And then HP Enterprises had all the data center solutions from storage, compute, um, our acquisition of Aruba for networking, um, as well as it had a huge set of software portfolio and services portfolio called HPES. Those were spun off again from HP Enterprises. Um, the HPES combined with CSC and became a multi-billion dollar company, DXC, and HP software combined with MicroFocus <laughs> for all the testing tools, data center tools, and we, HPE, our entire um, kind of the data center product and services, including network, um, and HPI is all the consumer products around desktops and laptops, as well as printing solution for enterprises. So hope I'm able to clarify it for you. Yeah. Did you say DXC? Like one of the spinoffs became DXC? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I know them. Yeah. Yeah. It's a 20, close to $25 billion company. Yeah. I know a couple of their employees. They're actually like pretty good friends of mine. Uh, met them at um, like one of the meet, like tech meetups in Tampa, Florida. And um, they were like running projects. And I think they did like 
they ran like a zero bench type, or at least their division was like a zero bench, like custom software development yep. section that they were working on. Yeah. Yep. We still work Very together. Cool. Miss. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. You guys, it's so, it's so big. When I see things like 50, hundred thousand employees, I'm just like, man, if I shadowed you for a day, like what's your day like? They kind of, I would say it's equally divided. I try to spend a lot of time on people. So having that structure and the setup where I work with my direct team members, which I call CIU staff, find opportunities to work with my extended leadership team, which is, so my direct team is around 11, extended leadership is almost 40 people, and then um, have different touch points with my teams at skip levels, one-on-ones, doing ask me anything through Slack and whatnot. So I'm very um, obsessive compulsive about keeping in touch with my people, making our leaders successful in leading um, this larger organization because I cannot alone lead it, right? Um, Other um, part of the day is also very focused on our business leaders, which is our internal customers. Um, We are driving a lot of transformation and that takes a lot of alignment across other business units. That's the interesting part about IT that we connect the dots across the organization. If you look at individual organization like sales or customer service or um, technology services or finance, or different product be used, they are all optimized to be successful in their silos. It's shared services organization like IT and others who brings them together to say, how do you do things for our company in a uniform way to give better um, and uh, customer experience? And then I would say other part of my time goes into a lot of operational issues because I'm very... Um, I think you can bring innovation into anything, into new product development, as well as running the day-to-day, because we as CIO have to optimize our run so that we can take resources out of there and put those in future innovation. And the last but not the least is the future innovation, technological stuff. And I'm a CIO, I'm a leader now, but I'm still a technologist like you, as you said, you're an engineer. And I like to get involved into some of the, I wouldn't say detail and the nitty gritty, but at the highest level, how to bring our um, technology together to be able to drive better business outcome. So the day will be distributed in those four areas primarily. I love it. No, you sound... you sound like you got some similarities to me. I, I, I never thought that I would be doing this this podcast, but when I was um, an engineer, primarily I just worked on different projects. Like I'd work on a project for two or three years. Um, I just had a small consultancy, and so I'd do a project and then do like financial services and then health and fitness, and I would get to learn all of these different industries. But you know, and that's what kept keeps it like real exciting for me. And then now I get to talk to people about different things all day. It's like that on steroids. But you get you, with a company as large as HPE, you get to do that all day. Yeah, there is so much to learn, right? <laughs> because- oh yeah. Business process I want have to been know. built over the decades and years. Um, and and how do you change that mindset to say now you have to make it technologically enabled? I'm curious about the patterns that you're seeing. So you get to mentor all of these 
um, great people. Obviously, you've got great leaders. You've got the resources to have great leaders. You can coach them. You can get coaches for them, all of this stuff. What are the patterns that you see as you're coaching the next generation of leaders? So in the next generation of leaders, um, what I'm seeing is there is enormous amount of passion um, for understanding the technology aspects of things, which is the engineering, right? And having that geek speak going on. I'm not saying it's generalized 100%, but the kind of people I interact with, either in our product divisions or within our IT divisions, when you ask them about the issue that happened, which created a bad customer experience, most of the time explanation is pretty complicated in terms of technology. I can understand it. My point is how we not only think about what happened in the technology today, but how do I apply technology to make sure it does not happen or creates better uh, customer experience going forward. So the point I'm trying to make is technologists are very technology to out-focused versus we need to bring out from outside in focus. It's starting from the business outcome, the customer experience that, that we want to drive, and how do we apply technology to drive that outcome. The challenge is when you go through engineering school, there is so much focus on uh, the engineering aspect of it. And I came from there, honestly. It took me a while to kind of change my mindset um, to not be, I have the solution, where is the problem, right? <laughs> to really understanding the problem, not appreciating the problem, understanding the problem and finding a solution for it. The second piece I would say is, you know, we talk about hyper automation and automation taking people's jobs. But with COVID and need for digital acceleration, we are seeing how we don't have the right set of people to deliver this advancement in technology or the hyper automation at, at this point. And I feel that along with engineering skills, we need the people skills for us to have leaders who can drive people to a common goal. As you talked about, you're growing up managing teams, and then teams of teams that takes a different type of skill set to motivate team members to be able to drive that better business outcome outside in, um, which is which is possible. So my big part of training my leaders is opening their doors, opening their minds to think in terms of how I bring more people along so that we go far versus going alone and going fast. A lot of us engineers are better at going alone and going fast versus building that some of the parts is bigger than the sum, right? So bringing those parts together and taking us further um, out into advancement. Yeah. Yeah, I found that you when you talked about it's a different skill set from managing teams to teams of teams. That was a really rough transition for me um, to, to learn that. But I'm curious, uh, as you learned that, what were some of your takeaways on the differences between managing teams or the people, teams of teams? Yeah, the way I have um, driven and, and you know, there are many different ways to do it. There are many successful leaders who are driving a lot of successful um, transitions. But 
the way I have seen it, having that North Star, like where we need to be ultimately, is very important. And then from there, if I know the end state, how do I break the steps that I need to take to get there? Because, you know, these days our problems are no more two-dimensional not even three-dimensional. I talk about orthogonal problems, right? <laughs> you, you define a destination, you define those sets of pieces that will take you there. But while the time you are taking those together and driving to that destination, your variables change along the way. Sometimes those variables are talent, sometimes the technology availability or its performance, or it's the business needs and outcome, which is changing extremely fast. But how do you keep creating prioritization and keep driving your team towards that North Star through some lofty goals and some achievable goals? Because if we make it very easy and achievable, our team will not be happy to do it. They want to see that they're stretching themselves into something much bigger. The other piece I would say is purpose plays a big role. When our team members look at that bigger mothership, bigger company, and what purpose the company wants to drive towards, and does it meet them where they want to be, then I see better results from teams of teams into getting to that North Star um, position that we have defined for them. I hope I didn't make it too complex. <laughs> no, I'm taking notes over here. <laughs> Sounded awesome. <laughs> I'm curious, um, you know, one of the things that I have found as far as like uh, respecting myself is to constantly raise the bar, right? Because no one's going to come up to me and raise the bar. I, I'm typically pretty independent and I've always owned my own business, things like that. So I rely on myself to like take it to the next, the next level. And what I found is when I, when I do that around people and, and when my team sees me doing those difficult things... I found it was an interesting way that like develops respect with them sometimes, right? They'll say like, oh, look, Joel's doing very difficult things and they, they will sometimes admire that. And so I'm curious, uh, what, what attributes or what habits do you have that, that helps build respect with your team? You know, one thing is, um, you know, modeling the behaviors that we want in our team. You have to um, walk the talk and not only say some things and not do it. If I talk about accountability and ownership in my team, being obsessed over uh, the timeline and making sure we give results, I need to do the same myself. And the way I tell them is my role is to remove roadblocks. So no news is bad news to me. Bring me all news so that I can remove those road roadblocks so that you can um, succeed. And Again, modeling that behavior that if somebody raises an issue ahead of time, not to say, oh, you're not able to take care of this, but say, great, what are your resolutions? The next thing I ask is, I want to risk, I want to get risk, but I want ideas for mitigation. I want to know the issues, but I want to know what are your approaches to resolution so that we can, um, we can get there. I think that piece for the leader is one to kind of keep your ear to the ground, really understand what's going on, what your people are facing, and then removing the roadblocks for their success um, through your either position or dollars or your knowledge or connecting the dots across organization. 
um, is really important for your team members to trust you as a leader and think that you are there with them to get to um, point B from point A together. I love it. I love it. There's a lot of uh, leaders or people that want to be leaders that listen to the show. So let's focus on like, um, let's say you've got the developer who's maybe a first time CTO, maybe just as a team of five or something of that nature. Um, and then we also, in a similar class, we have somebody who's maybe at like, you know, running a team in a larger organization, they would have similar responsibilities to some degree for, for, for a person at that level in their career uh, that want to take the, the next step, what sort of thoughts do you have for them? Yeah. So in a smaller setup, a CTO with five people company will have much different mindset than a similar level person with a within a much larger organization. I would say the person in the much larger organization definitely have a lot to learn from the CTO because in larger organization, we want to do things the way we did it yesterday or today, tomorrow. And that's what is um, not happening, not propelling forward the incumbent companies as I call them today, right? So for them to really see how many features, for example, AWS launches in a week, right? How they kind of do that 10x growth and development within that very complex architectures of their company. Or if you look at Apple, which launches a beta and we as customer test it while they improve it to the next version, right? And how we get out of that mindset of low risk, always delivering a perfect solution, which gets us behind uh, with our with our competition. I would say for the CTO in a smaller setup with five people, for them really the product they're working for, they need to think from customer in perspective a little bit more than the technology that they're thinking has the answer to create a new set of customer needs and wants. Um, so they need to look at both aspects from inside out and outside in to be able to come up with a solution which has value going forward. You're crushing it. When is the book coming out? Are you writing a book? <laughs> I, my job does not leave me any time to do things like that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, then you can just keep coming on podcasts and sharing your awesome insight. I saw that HPE actually has a podcast. Have you gotten to go on that podcast yet? Um, I have published articles on HPE Next. Um, we do do tech talks and it might be a good idea when I complete a couple of my large transformations to package it up and share with our customers because I'm customer zero for HPE. <laughs> I run my entire infrastructure on HPE. We call it HOH, HPE on HPE. And there is a lot I can share with the customers around how uh, my team has made it work for ourselves. I love it. I love it. Well, we'll put something at the end of the show for people to figure out like how they can go listen to the HPE podcast because uh, I'm pretty excited. I personally have not gotten to listen to it yet, but my producer said, oh, it's pretty great. And uh, so I'm excited. It's on my it's on my list here. I've got, I don't want to forget because we're we've got about maybe 10 minutes left. I want to respect your, your hard stop. Um, what is the HPE GreenLake platform? Yeah, so HPE GreenLake, um, when I joined the company, I was pretty impressed with the product. It brings the cloud experience to apps and data everywhere. It enables companies to adopt transformative technology 
faster and simplify their operations. So public cloud is an amazing um, invention by uh, AWS and then what Microsoft has done with Azure as well as um, Google Cloud. But the way we see it, that with the advent of technology and digitalization, all the data is not possible to ship it to public cloud and bring it back to the edge. Most of the data is created at the edge. If you, if you think about retail, which has gone from the front of the store back into a warehouse, the amount of digitalization it needs from inventory to pick back ship and, and whatnot. If you look, look at the healthcare setup, um, the amount of data that we gather at the point of care from the patient. If you think about a oil rig out in the ocean, if you think about a connected car, I'm not even talking automated, uh, fully automated car, but just connected cars and the amount of data we are generating at the edge. Um, we deliver, HP GreenLake delivers infrastructure as a service for all kinds of workloads. We can do it on premise, fully managed, in a pay-per-use model at the edge, in colos, as well as in those companies' data centers. So that our customers don't have to worry about running an infrastructure, we can do it on their behalf. Our um, HP GreenLake Central, our new innovative software platform, IT teams can now rapidly deploy services, gain cost and compliance insight, and simplify management across entire hybrid state of edge, private, and public uh, cloud. This frees up our customers' people time and developers from traditional wait time with self-service software platform for the services that they need for all their um, business needs. So in, in nutshell, HP GreenLake brings the modern cloud experience to our customers anywhere they need it, and managed um, as a service by HPE. That's pretty cool. So wait, so this is going to be like a, an alternative to AWS um, for the right type of workload. Because if you're think about if you're in an oil rig, right, or if you are a large solar panel or windmill operator, you don't have time to gather that data at the point where it's generated and take entire data, send it to cloud, and get it back and make decisions in that process. Same is true for connected cars, right? Same as we put our, um, some of our computers in the space shuttle and work with Microsoft and Azure to provide the uh, processing of the data after the fact. But at the time of the capture, we provide a lot of intelligence to get some answers and only ship data out to the public cloud that we need um, for that analytics that's needed. But all the operations decision-making is happening at the edge at the point of data generation. That's pretty smart for your for the team to go focus in that area, right? Because it, it allows you to stand out and it's very clear that there's obviously a suite of tools if you specialize in taking things from the edge to the cloud that would save people a bunch of time. I like it. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. So um, anything else that we didn't get out there to the world that we want to get out there? Yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I've been here um, three years now, and this is the planet's oldest technology company. So we are going through our own mind shift transition. So the questions that you asked about leadership uh, were very, very important for us. And 
now we are driving towards not just being good enough. We want to constantly look ahead and satisfy our customer needs beyond what they see it today. We are accelerating what next. We believe in bold moves, kind of creating that culture of yes, we can, while also being um, force for good. Antonio, I see your beliefs very strongly, very deeply that each one of us can make a difference for others, for our company and our planet. And, and that's why we get very involved to help our em employees, um, again, where they need help. And recent example was um, helping get their family out of Afghanistan during the recent unrest. Even we did a um, patent pledge for on Earth Day where we had other companies like Microsoft and Facebook join us for making our IP available uh, to make our planet better. You know, we are not, we also make products which um, needs power, which impacts Earth. But how do we make these products? And Green Lake is a green, great example. And that's why we call it Green Lake because it reduces consumption of hardware and, and, and does it in a very um, power efficient uh, way. So when we think about us today as a company or me as an individual, I'm able to relate these very, very well um, uh, from purpose perspective that I talked to you about that today's employee want to connect with their companies, not only for the work they do, but the bigger purpose that they serve of being here today. Yeah. One of my favorite things when researching the company was the modern slavery transparency statement. It's definitely an eye catcher on a on a page of research. I was like, what is the modern slavery statement? And it was so interesting how much resources you put behind understanding your supply chain and ensuring that those workers are like treated fairly. And I, I thought that was like, I read it. It was like a 14 page document, by the way. But mm -hmm. I read your 20, 2021 report. Yeah. And I I just like, I don't know, I thought it was pretty cool. Awesome. Really appreciate you taking the time to read that. <laughs> yeah, it was super interesting. I was like, how could we, uh, it, you know, because I think about that type of stuff too, because you'll, you'll be going about life and you'll get a random news article about, you know, issues in, in other countries with, with uh, workers that are manufacturing products that we use on a daily basis. And it, and it causes you to take a step back and you're like, is that really happening? Is that hype from the media? And then, um, you know, it's it's easy to turn the other way and not look at it. And so I, I like that you guys put resources behind not turning away and instead turning in and saying, we need to make sure this isn't happening in our supply chains. And I think that's uh, that's something to respect there. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.